Welcome to our worship today. Our thanks today go to Anna and Esme Derling and to Christine Whiteman for our readings, to Philip for the snippet of music after the sermon, and to the choristers of St Martin in the Fields for the hymns which begin and end the service. They are For the Fruits of His Creation and You Shall Go Out With Joy, and you can find the words and the service sheet on our church website. Grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. As we begin our worship, let's think of the week that is past and all that's happened in it. There will have been times when we've done wrong or fallen short because we're human. So we ask for God's forgiveness in the joyful knowledge that nothing can destroy his love for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. We say together, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour 
in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, send down upon your church the riches of your Spirit, and kindle in all who minister the Gospel your countless gifts of grace, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The psalm for today is Psalm 65. Praise awaits you, O God, in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. O you who hear prayer, to you all men will come. When we were overwhelmed by sin, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O God our Saviour. The hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who still the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. Those living far away fear your wonders, where morning dawns and evening fades. You call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with corn, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the desert overflow the hills are clothed with gladness, the meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with corn. They shout for joy and sing. This reading is taken from Matthew chapter 13 verses 1 to 9 from the Good News translation of the Bible. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seeds. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because... The soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seeds fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty or thirty times what it was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Today's Gospel reading is a very familiar story, one of Jesus' most famous parables. If you're a gardener, and many people seem to have taken up gardening during lockdown, then you probably know all too well the scenario Jesus describes. You start out hopefully sowing your seeds in little seed trays or out in the garden, just as the gardening gurus tell you to. You wait and you watch. Soon, if you're lucky, some energetic little seedlings poke their heads out of the earth. Success! But not so fast. As the weeks go by, some shrivel and die. Some are overcome by weeds. Even if you mollycoddle them indoors until they're sturdy little plants, the first night you plant them out, chances are they'll be reduced to ribbons by slugs or caterpillars or birds or rabbits or dug up by cats or squirrels or another of God's wonderful creatures who, quite reasonably from their perspective, look on them as a generous gift that you put there just for their benefit. It's enough to drive you to despair. It was ever thus. As the old saying goes, one for the rook, one for the crow, one to rot and one to grow. Jesus' description of the wide varieties of ways a crop can fail is something every one of his listeners would have been familiar with, just as we are. And yet there's something odd about his little story. And as a gardener myself, it's glaringly obvious when you spot it. Frankly, this sower sounds a bit daft. What's he doing sowing seed on a path and in the thorny ground or among the rocks? Surely he knows his land. He knows where the path is. He can see that some of the land is rocky. And those thorns, according to the Greek original of the Gospel, are acanthus plants. Bear's breeches is their common name. They're huge, tough perennials. You can't miss them if you've got them. I can imagine Jesus' audience shaking their heads in bewilderment. In fact, the whole scenario is a bit comical. It's over the top. If this sower is meant to represent God, what does it say about him? What kind of person behaves like this, let alone an all-knowing deity? They were quite right if they were asking those questions. Humanly speaking, this sower is acting stupidly because human resources are limited. If we're sensible, we take care of what we do with our resources. We ration them out, whether they're seeds or time or money or love. We're afraid we'll run out if we don't. You can only behave like this sower if you know your resources are limitless, infinite. God, says Jesus, throws his love around with reckless abandon because there is no end to his love. He doesn't need to ration it out, only planting it in lives that are perfect. He lets it fall wherever it will, in the joyful hope that one stray seed might just find a gap among the weeds, or an unseen pocket of richer soil between the rocks, or be missed by the birds and grow on the path anyway. This story is meant to sound a bit ridiculous, like many of Jesus' other parables. We often read them in a po-faced, serious way, and we miss that. But what kind of shepherd abandons 99 perfectly good sheep in the wilderness to go after one who's been daft enough to wander off? What kind of father gives half his money away to his prodigal son 
and when he wastes it on parties, welcomes him back again without a word of I told you so. How does he know that he won't just sell the robe and the ring he's been given and do it all over again? How does he know that his son has really learned his lesson? He doesn't, is the answer, but the father does it anyway because he loves him. Jesus tells stories again and again of a God who's ridiculously generous to human eyes, who gives and gives and gives again beyond anything we would think was sensible or proportionate. It's meant to shock and challenge us, just as it did his first hearers. Of course, human beings are limited. We do have finite resources, but God isn't. We sometimes forget that, or never get our heads around it in the first place. That's why Christians have often been so determined to set boundaries on God's love, conditions they say people must meet to receive it, and to police those boundaries as if they're God's guardians, as if God needed guarding. They tell others that God will only love and accept them if they live in certain ways, observe certain rituals, believe certain doctrines, say certain prayers, belong to a certain group. Those who are on the receiving end of that sort of judgment often internalise it, convincing themselves that they deserve to be kept away. People tell me they aren't good enough to come to church. They tell me they aren't certain enough of their faith, that they might do the wrong thing or not do the right thing. They worry that because of something they've done or something that's happened to them, God really wouldn't want to be bothered with them. He wouldn't want to waste his time and his love on them. But all those assumptions rest on the idea that God's love is a scarce resource which has to be hoarded, rationed, doled out carefully after a proper risk assessment and a cost-benefit analysis to make sure it's not being thrown anywhere except the 100% pure and wholesome soil. This parable tells us otherwise. God's love is limitless. He's quite content to scatter it about with reckless abandon, on the off chance that a stray seed might find an unlikely overlooked pocket of soil to grow in. He doesn't need to hoard, guard or reserve it for those who can prove they know what to do with it. And we shouldn't try to do that on his behalf either. The ultimate demonstration of this reckless generosity is in his gift of Jesus to us, that grain of wheat that falls into the ground and dies at Calvary and is buried in a stony tomb, the unlikeliest of unlikely soil. And yet, from that death comes resurrection, and new life which is thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold greater, spreading out through the world and across the ages. God will win some and lose some as he scatters his seeds of love in our hearts and in our world. There'll be times when we don't respond, when our hearts are stony or choked with weeds, times when the seed never germinates at all, but it only takes one seed to grow to really make a difference. One plant can fill a field if you give it long enough. One act of kindness, one word of encouragement, one decision to trust in the goodness of God, to hope rather than to despair, can change our lives 
and the lives of everyone around us too. Our God is a God whose generosity is beyond anything we could ask or imagine. A God whose love is limitless. A God whose paths overflow with plenty, as the psalm reminded us. May we rejoice in that plenty and walk in those paths, generously giving as we have generously received. Amen. Let us pray. Loving Lord, as we hear and ponder the words of the Bible, may we hear your voice in them, calling to us. May we draw close to you wherever we find you, and may your word dwell in us richly and bring forth good fruit. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we pray for your church throughout the world especially in this time of need and challenge. Show us how to live out your message of love, to build and nurture communities of love, to care for those around us and to trust in you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we pray for our families, friends and neighbours, giving thanks for the love and care they show us. We pray for our schools as they come towards the end of term. And we pray for our businesses and local organisations, for our friends in Lavender Fields Care Home. We pray for all who have positions of leadership and influence, that they would use them well. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who feel lonely or anxious for those who have cares which strangle their chances of joy, for those whose lives feel like stony ground, unsustaining and dry. We pray for those who face problems which feel insuperable or temptations which feel irresistible. Give courage, hope and strength to all who are struggling and all who seek to help them. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we pray for all who are sick or sorrowful. We ask you to comfort and strengthen them. And we bring before you any who are known to us and those who are known to you alone in a moment of silence. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we thank you for your promise that in life and in death we are enfolded in your love. And we pray for those who have died, entrusting them into your keeping and asking you to comfort those who mourn, especially those who haven't been able to say farewell to their loved ones as they would like. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. As we share in the peace, I'd like to invite you to think of someone who you know, maybe a member of our congregation, maybe a member of your family from whom you're separated, or a friend. Someone who you would like to feel that you're united with at this point. Because we're all held together in God's love, even when we're separated physically. We are the body of Christ. In the one spirit we were all baptised into one body. Let us then pursue all that makes for peace and builds up our common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Keep us, good Lord, under the shadow of your mercy in this time of uncertainty and distress. Sustain and support the anxious and fearful and lift up all who are brought low, that we may rejoice in your comfort, knowing that nothing can separate us from your love. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen.